Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Malika Holloway. She helps individuals and companies grow their brand influence, awareness, and engagement. Malika, welcome to the show. So much, Kevin, for having me. I, this has been fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what we're going to get into today, a, a lot of people probably know they need to do it, don't know how to do it. And don't maybe necessarily realize the full importance of it. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Oh, absolutely. I am from a little small city in the South called Atlanta. Oh, pr pretty small. Yeah. Sure, people maybe <laughs> like haven't Atlanta, heard of it. Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and it's so funny because every time, you know, I meet people at, at events or, you know, networking things, or sometimes it's small gatherings and meetups. People go, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm here from Atlanta. Like, oh my gosh, you're a native. Like everybody <laughs> here is are they're transplants. Like it's really rare that we meet one of you. And they're like, can can I touch you? You know, you're you're a native. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I am here from from Atlanta. I'm a definitely a Southern girl. Been here pretty much all my life. Um, it, but also being here gives me a lot of different perspectives because literally the whole world comes through Atlanta. So. Sure. Uh, that's where I'm from, and I get a lot of my the way I move, you know, everything being fast paced. We're not like New York City, where we never sleep, sure. um, <laughs> but we're, we're we're like LA, where it's halfway relaxed, halfway work, always some type of play going on. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I I've only been to Atlanta once. I I really liked it. It's it, it's cool. Well, what I found really cool about it is obviously when you go in the city, you feel like you're in a big city. But the second yeah. you get out of the city, it, you have these like lush trees and kind of like <laughs> water. It, it's almost like you see in kind of the movies. Once you get out of the city, right? It's like this beautiful yeah. mm -hmm. kind of the landscape, yep. right? Yeah, right. And then your house is literally right there, and you're just like, "Wow, this is really nice and peaceful," right? Yeah. It was so yeah. quiet and peaceful. <laughs> I don't know. After Maybe you sit through the traffic for about two or three yeah, hours. Yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> exactly. So you know, you know. So you you went to university a few times. What did you take and why? Yeah, I said I've been in Atlanta all my life, and I've been in the South all my life because I was literally in Huntsville, Alabama, for ten years. Okay. Got an undergraduate degree from Alabama A and M University in English with okay. a uh, concentration in telecommunications or communications arts. Okay. And then as soon as I got that degree, I went on and enrolled in a master's program. Same same university, okay. um, but I got a master's degree in communication specialist with a concentration in business and public relations. Um, and then, of course, right now, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a doctoral program. So around this time next year, you'll be able to call me Dr. Holloway. Congrats. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It's in business administration and my concentration is strategy and innovation. So it's all about how to push businesses forward, like what's new in technology or what's new in communications that allow businesses to continue to grow and to be sustainable. So I, I'm definitely a professional student. So, and I always believe that in order to, I say this in quotation marks in the air, in order to be an expert, yeah. you have to be a student. You know, you have to continuously be a student to per um, to perfect, even though I don't think you ever can really perfect it, but to perfect your craft or your, to be a contributor to your industry, you like you have to always be a learner. Um, and so, although when I finish this degree, I'm I'm done. Like <laughs> I get doctor in front of my name, I'm I'm done with that part of formal education. But I'm sure. sure I will always probably you know do some type of certification or you know enroll in some type of program just to make sure I keep my skills sharpened. No, I I think that's actually really good advice, right? Because you're right. You don't well, obviously. Um, education is important. How how you get that, whether it's from traditional methods or online or a bit of both, can be up for debate. But I think the whole um, idea of continuous learning 
makes sense, right? Like you read, you hear people sometimes always say they read a book a week or a few a month, that kind of thing. I, I think it can be what I, at least I think a lot of people would consider continuing your education. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I read a lot of books as well. I write a lot of books for other people. Sure. <laughs> so nice. I'm, I'm, you know, absorbing their information while I'm reading or writing. Um, but one thing I found is that, you know, people go, sometimes, you know, you have to get out, out of student mode and get into learning or get into uh, implementing some things. Right. And I'm like, well, why can't you do both at the same time? Yeah, interesting. Um, why can't you be learning uh, and implementing and tweaking and, you know, using the information that you have? Because we all know that when you're in school, whether it's grade school, college, university, professional, continuing education, the things a lot of times that you learn in school when you get out and you try to implement them in that way, yep. it doesn't work. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. So, you know, you have to find your own way. And so I think that in in continuing to learn and also tweak kind of what you know and what you do to fit, I think you, you kind of just set yourself up for success in that way. No, I, I 100% agree. So you've worked throughout majority of the time you've been in school, if not all of it. You've started yeah. – and co-founded a ton of companies. Do you want to walk us through that journey with some maybe some highlights along the way up until kind of what you're doing today? Um, I played with the idea of being like a full-time entrepreneur business owner, like okay. on and off. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, for for about five years and probably for the last two, I've been doing it, you know, completely full-time, haven't really looked back. Um, because being a student, you know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, being a mother, it was like, how do I balance and juggle and make everything happen? Although I was doing it all along, I sure. think we all get to the point where we go, how do I make this work as if we're not already doing it? Um, and Fair so enough. when I initially got into business, um, I don't even remember what undergrad year I was in, but I was okay. just doing a lot of editing and okay. ghostwriting. Um, then I took the steps to actually incorporate the business and get legit with the state. Um, sure. But then because I'm a natural writer um, and I love to read, I got bored really easily. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm making money. You know, I love doing this, but I'm bored. It's not a challenge. Um, okay. It's starting to feel like work. Sure. Um, and so it's like, you know, I'd go work my job and then, you know, start work, get, get off, go home, try to work on, you know, someone's, you know, book baby or whatever it is I'm writing. Sure. And it just felt like a continuation of work. And so I decided, all right, what else can I do? Um, and through branding and promoting my business and, you know, my, some of my personal story and sharing it on social media, on speaking stages or whatnot, I started to realize like, hey, Someone told me that, you know, I was doing publicity for myself. And I was like, um, no, I'm just talking about what I do. <laughs> and they're like, no, you know, you're, you're getting these media places for yourself. You've been able, you've done it for some other people just by helping them. You know, you actually do public relations. And so I was like, well, let me look into that. Um, and that's when I went back to school and really completely just rebranded the business. So we, we, we separated and the writing company is still there. Okay. Um, but the main company that I have is the branding and PR agency, which is the official Malika group. Most people call it the OMG because that's what the logo is. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and so it was, it wasn't one of those things where I just woke up and like, Oh, I want to be a publicist. This is my life's work. Right. I had to find my way here. Um, and that was literally by someone planting a bug in my ear, like, hey, this is what you're doing. And I was telling them, like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just talking about myself and people like it. Or I'm talking about my clients and people like it. And then when I went to school, I was like, oh, gosh, I had been doing that from day one. I wish I had known that. But again, being in school doesn't always teach you yeah, <laughs> everything on what to look for. So I landed here. Um by somebody putting that bug in my ear and then me just deciding, all right, well, let me go back, you know, let me go to school for that um, before I jump out full time into it. No, that's very cool. But, but I also think that's yeah. really good mm -hmm. advice in itself, right? Because I think so many people uh, get out of high school or even into their early, mid, maybe even late 20s, and they still don't really know what they want to do. And yeah. it's hard, right? And they probably have a ton of skills that they just don't know what it's technically called. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and no, it's, that's actually really good advice. So I, I want to dive a bit deeper into what you guys do um, at, at the company, because you guys do something that I think I, like I mentioned earlier in the show that a lot of people 
probably realize they maybe need or or maybe deep down they know they need, but they don't even know where to start. And and that's kind of the the whole um becoming building your own brand, right? At or mm-hmm. whether that's either your as yourself as an individual, as yourself with with a company or maybe a combo of both. But what what are your thoughts on that and how do you work with uh individuals or com- and or companies to uh make that happen? Okay, yeah. So just the same as you said, most people they they know they need it, but they don't quite know what it looks like. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I say that I'm definitely referring to branding because because we live in a digital age, which we all love, sure. we, we kind of love to hate it as well. Yeah. There's a lot of different narratives out there on what branding is. So some people just say, hey, I just need to have cool colors, a logo on the website, and boom, I have a brand. Sure. <laughs> and then you get me who, who comes and kind of interrupts their whole flow and goes, no, you have a piece of a brand. You have some marketing materials. Sure. But you don't have a brand because it's not established in a way that makes people realize, hey, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is how you show up in the world. This is how, how you operate. Okay. Um, and so I describe branding, um, and I'm sure you, many people have heard this, but it's the connection that people make when they come in contact with you, your website, your logo, um, your services, but mainly you. What kind of connection do they have? What's the uh, instant feeling that they get? Okay. And so your brand is what people know you for. Sure. So that has nothing to do with your website <laughs> or your logo. Go ahead. Yeah. No, inch, no, keep going. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. That's good. Um, and so a lot of times people, because we live in this fast paced world, they still feel like they can skip the process of building that personal reputation with people, not realizing that really what people think and, and know of you that's where your brand is. And most people, they use like Coke as an example, you know, have a Coke and a smile. They know the red and white writing. Sure. They know the sound of the, you know, the Coke can opening. All of those things are associated with Coke. Um, and we know like it's the real thing. It's a Coke phrase or whatnot. And I have to use Coke because I'm from Atlanta. Sure, um, fair enough. Yep. <laughs> um, go ahead. But you know, that's one of the things that people go, oh, well, that's branding. And I said, okay, well, how do you take that and and apply that to you. And so for me, what I've learned from people is that when people hear my name, automatically they think about business, they think about branding, they think about PR, but they think about authenticity and integrity because they know like, okay, she's going to tell me the truth and the truth may hurt, but <laughs> the good, truth though. will also help me. <laughs> no, I think that's actually really good advice. Yeah, and so they, I, I, it took me a minute to actually settle with that because I'm like, no, I don't want everybody to think that, you know, I'm, I'm the big, bad business person who, who hurts you to help you because that's not always the case. But at the end of the day, I had to realize that's a part of the brand that I've established where, Hey, we're not going to do the Kool-Aid and cotton candy and unicorns. We need to get to the root of the issue so that you can actually grow your business. We have to create or establish the persona that you want to be known as, and we have to get clear on what that looks like and also what that feels like for you. So you don't have to necessarily turn it on and turn it off. You can be your brand all day. So whether you're in an elementary school or you're in a university or you're in a boardroom or the bank, you can be you and it doesn't seem like you're flip-flopping, if that makes sense. No, I I 100% agree. But how do you figure that out? Because that's really challenging for people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got to be a constant work in progress, tweaking, modif- modifying, or, or how do you work with companies and clients to actually start that process and, and kind of make sure their brand kind of grows and stays relevant in today's kind of fast-paced society? Oh, yeah, I do that, honestly, through storytelling. So a lot of what I do is is converse, you know, we have these strategic conversations where, you know, of course, I don't work for necessarily a blueprint because everybody and every company is different. But there are specific questions that I'm always asking, um, you know, let's just say for individuals, I'm always asking, okay, who do you want to be known as? Right. Who do you want? What do people you want people to know you from? Yes, you may wear a lot of different hats. Like for me, you know, I'm an author, speaker, coach, consultant, a ghostwriter, a publicist, 
Um, I can, we have social media marketing, digital marketing. Like I do all these things, but at the end of the day, I really just want people to know me for being like a communication specialist. And that may look like branding over here. That may look like PR over here. That may be copywriting over there. But at the end of the day, I'm a communicator and people know that they just know it in different. They know that in different factors or in different, um, modalities if I could say that so they know sure. <laughs> anything that Malika does it, it's communicating um it just depends on what they need and how that communication aspect comes out and so it's always about having the conversation of who do you who are you and who do you want to be known as and then sometimes we take it a step further we have to go why I have to ask them why <laughs> why do you want to be that person you know if everyone has known you as a marketing guru for the past 10 years sure and now you you want to get away from that why do you want to get away from that did you have an epiphany did you have a bad experience did you find out that you really knew more than you thought you knew Um, that allowed (laughs) you to grow and expand because it's a process like you said everything is a process since we're we're always growing learning and evolving we have to be aware of what that process looks like for us so I do that through a lot of conversations, a lot of asking questions that make people go, I don't really know how to answer that right now. <laughs> I have to think about that. And I'm like, no, that's good, because that means that that's something you've never thought about. Um, and I didn't mention it before, okay. but what made me go back into a full-time entrepreneurship, the last job I had is I worked at a university in career development. Okay. Um, and so I worked with anyone from freshmen all the way to the grads. Okay. And what happened was that they would come in my office, especially the undergrad, and they had to talk to me in order to actually graduate. Right. Makes sense. Okay. <laughs> and so like I was the one that had to check the box in order for them to get their degree. Okay. And a lot of times I found that they were working towards these degrees and they weren't passionate about it. It was like, oh, well, my mom told me to be an engineer. And I'm like, well, are you good at math or science? And they said, no, I hate those. I'm like, well, <laughs> engineering may not be for you. Um, and so I found myself having those conversations over and over again and then kind of telling them, like, well, you don't have to go to school just so you can get a good job. You know, you can build your own empire. You can do your own thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure this is completely opposite of what the university wants me to do. Sure. So <laughs> I think I need to go back, you know, and go back to doing my own thing. It was just, it, get, it just kind of got suffocating. It just kind of got suffocating to know that people were so lost yeah. and they were investing time and money into something that they really didn't want to do, um, and especially, you know, being in college. And so when you said that it's a process and you learn, you grow and you change, I was like, I have to make sure I tell him that story because that's what put me back <laughs> on the map to go, you know what, I'm going back to doing my things full time because um, I really want to help people save them time and money. Sure. No, I I think that's actually that's actually really interesting, but but I I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I find like I'm 36. Just to have some some context, I've been in tech oh I a long time, a couple decades now, and sometimes people come to me and say, "Oh, you're so lucky that you figured out so early on what you wanted to do in life," and I am. I and don't get me wrong. I still sometimes feel like I have no idea what I'm still doing, right? And that, like, the only thing I'm qualified to do is this, like, what I've been doing for a couple of decades. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of scary in itself, right? That if, and it recently happened to me in the last year, I, I was kind of done with being a designer and being on the design side. And yeah. I was kind of led teams doing design. And it's like, well, if I want to leave this, I don't know anything else i don't know i'm not trained for anything else i don't know how to like there's nothing i'm really qualified to do and maybe if maybe the only Mm -hmm. other thing i'm qualified to do is ask you if you want to upsize your combo you know what i mean like (laughs) and and so how do you work with people that have maybe been doing something for so long that are either trying to make sure they stay passionate about it either maybe work on changing themselves or figure out kind of where they want to go because I think that in itself is you mentioned earlier is they're tied to this specific brand that people see them but but they may be struggling with that or or they don't really know 
where to take it from there. Do you, do you know what I'm getting at? Or is that kind of a long winded yes, yes, question? Yes, yes. No, that's a, that's a perfect question because just using you as an example, you know, you've been in this design area for so long, but sure. I heard you say that you've led teams um, in that. And I'm pretty sure you've worked on a million different projects. So yep. immediately I thought of what soft skills or transferable skills did you use while you were doing design, while you were leading teams? Because we all know leading teams is hard. Sure. Being a leader <laughs> yeah. is hard because you have to have that a certain level of emotional intelligence. You actually have to be able to connect with people exactly where they are. You have to be able to, you know, cast the same vision to 50 people and hope that everybody's on the same page. Sure. And so even though you've been a designer for that long, I think being also like a, a leader and a manager in that space, there are a lot of skills that you had to use that you can then branch out and say, hey, I want to now be um, maybe a design consultant and consult people on how to have design teams and how to make them more efficient. Because I think that goes into a visual aspect sure. on like the psychology, on how designing happens, um, why colors are chosen, why things are placed in a certain area. Because I think for creative, and yeah. I like to call us creative, because sure, that's no, totally. what we are, yep. um, <laughs> some things we just get. We don't yep. have to study the psychology of, of branding colors. We don't have to study making things visual appear appealing. We just get it and we just do it. And then you have people who studied it, who when they meet us, who are just naturally, naturally creative, who are trying to say, well, if you think about the psychology of it, and we're like, no, this is just great because this is what I created. And so I think even in that, you just have to, when people are looking to do something else, it's yeah. a matter of, hey, what have I been, what skill have I been using for decades sure. that can be applied to other things outside of direct designing? No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. And, and I think <laughs> it, it gets people thinking, though, hopefully about um, them and, and maybe what they're going through. But the other thing I want to cover that you mentioned before we started recording is Mm -hmm. reaching, getting your brand to resonate with the different age ranges of people. Um, I, I know we talked about kind of, um, I think I'm a, just a millennial, I guess. So I understand mm -hmm, some of are. the millennial <laughs> stuff. Um, others is completely foreign to me and probably everywhere yeah. in between. <laughs> but but I'm curious to know how do you work with companies or and or individuals to actually make sure that their brand resonates with all their target demographics? Because obviously something that resonates with somebody in their maybe 50s or 60s is going to be different than somebody that's a teenager or in their 20s. Oh, yes, absolutely. A lot of times what happens in business, and I'm sure you've encountered it, especially if you've done any like one-on-one -on -one work with people, you go, okay, well, who's your target market? Oh, I yeah. want to sell to everybody. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's like, okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how this works. Um, for me, you know, I honestly feel like I've just been blessed and fortunate to where the personal brand that I've built literally attracts everyone. Okay. Um, I always said I wanted to work specifically with millennials, Okay. but guess what? 75% of my clientele are um, Gen Y and, and boomers almost. Right. Like, they're not millennials. And I sure. actually don't even attract a lot of millennials. And some people are like, that's because you're intimidating. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I'm working with people, and I don't think it's a matter of me just being intimidating. It's just, I know what I know. and I'm confident in what I know. Yeah. And it comes off that way. And it's like, when you, when you come to work with me or, you know, to chit chat with me, I want you to show up with that same type of energy, you know, gotcha. be confident in what you know. And when you don't know, say that you don't know. Sure. Um, and that goes back to how people can build brands that resonate with their target, but also just resonates with people in general. You just got to be really confident in what you know. Sure. Um, and the way things, the way millennials absorb information is completely different than how, you know, a baby boomer, like my grandmother. Sure. <laughs> Um, absorbs information. Of course, they, they use technology now because they have to, but they're more, hey, let's sit down and have a phone call. And millennials are like, no, just send that in a text message or email. Yeah. And yeah. so when it comes to reaching your target audience, you have to know like where, where they are. Sure. I believe across the board, everybody is on their phones these days, sure. period. Yep. And so it's how do you condense 
your information that you want to share in a way that people can quickly consume it without being overwhelmed, with clearly getting your message, with clearly knowing how to reach out to you, who you are, those types of things. But I think in order to do that, again, I, I have to say it goes back to that clarity aspect and knowing who you are, who you want to serve and how you want to serve them, whether it's by selling, you know, your body butters, if it's, you know, designing a website for them or designing marketing collateral, if it's ghostwriting and writing speeches for people, you have to know who you actually want to do that for. So you may say, I just want to work with politicians. I want to do, you know, political marketing or whatever. Then, you know, nine times out of 10, you're not really trying to talk to a lot of millennials. (laughs) Um, You probably want to talk to more established people who, who've been doing it for, you know, people that are already engulfed in that culture. If you really want to get yourself ahead. Um, Or you can say, I want to work with up and coming um, politicians. So then your target may be millennials. And then it's, okay, I got to make sure I can communicate with them. I have to see what the climate is. And you always have to know what's going on in the industry. And so I think that goes back to knowing your audience going, goes back to researching. And really, I don't even want to say research in the way that I would for my like doctoral degree okay. where I'm trying to absorb all this information. Sometimes it's as simple as watching the news okay. <laughs> or okay. reading the Wall Street Journal just to see, okay, what, what's going on on the stock market? Or what's going on in the, you know, in, in Washington, D.C., and only paying attention sometimes to those things. Um, because you get a lot of information, honestly, just by swiping on social media sometimes. Everything you need is kind of at your fingertips. And so if you want to know how to properly position yourself to reach those audiences, okay. you have to know where they are and what type of information they like to consume. Um, case in point. A lot of clients that come to me, you know, for, for PR, they're like, you know, I want to, you know, get mentioned in Forbes and I want to be on uh, the New York Times. And they have, of course, these big hopes, dreams and aspirations that I ask. But what will that actually do for you? Do the clients that you serve, do they even read the Wall Street Journal or do they even read the New York Times? Why do you want that credibility? You know, they're like, well, automatically people will see me as an expert. But if your target audience does not read those things. It does nothing for you. Um, and Interesting. So, and that, <laughs> that's kind of just a little nugget on that PR side, because I think a lot of times people get, they just think PR is just, you know, personal branding on steroids. Everybody yeah. needs to talk about me. But I'm like, no, there's a lot of strategy that goes behind that because it's all about reaching your target audience. So it's not just pitching and hoping whoever opens it and they decide, you know, to write on you or, or use your quote. It's about making sure you connect also with the platforms that the people that you want to work with are actually reading or they're actually engaged with those platforms as well. No, that's actually really good advice because that's got to be a bit of a hard sell to certain age age groups and people if they're trying to target a different age group, right? Because mm-hmm. I think the older gen, uh, older generations are like, well, of course I want to be on the cover of uh, Time Magazine or, or the New York Times or something like that. But if your if your target market's twenty year old, well, they're probably not reading mm-hmm. either one of those markets, right? Right. And sure, your friends <laughs> might think it's cool, but if that doesn't really generate you new business, is, is it worth it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I never. Well, I never really thought of it like that, right? And I don't think most people do because it's more. Oh, you need a, you need publicity just to get the word out there to boost your credibility and 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 hope it brings you more money. But I'm like. If you do it, if if the work is done strategically, which is how we operate, then we make sure that you're in the perfect position. You know, it's not like we don't want you to be everywhere, because honestly, being everywhere kind of means that you're nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, fair. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so it's a matter of, again, going back to that, that branding aspect of who the people that resonate with you or connect with you, people. How do we reach them? What are they reading? Um, like I had a, a one of my clients in her 70s. She's, she's written four books literally wow. since she was 70, like over the span of five years. So I tell wow. people it's never too late to start. <laughs> but sure. I was telling them, why would I then possibly pitch her books about, you know, kind of, well, some of them are like really spicy novels, but okay. like her autobiography about her life. Why would I pitch that to Cosmo? She, sure. You know, she's a 70 year old great grandmother um african-american woman we're not you know very spiritual why would i then pitch her to cosmo right yeah fair (laughs) enough completely different audience 
completely yeah. different readership. Do I want to pitch her just to say, oh, she's been in Cosmo? To her, her audience or her demographics, they'll be like, what? That doesn't even make sense. You know, we'd have to really spin that angle to make it work. Sure. But it doesn't work. But I would, you know, maybe pitch her to a HuffPost as, as saying, you know, it's never too late to start. Meet yeah. the author who's written five books, you know, at the age of 70, you know, that type of thing. You know, she started writing when she was like 69. And most people think, oh, if by the time I hit 50, it's too late. If I haven't done it, it's too late. I'm old now. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late to kind of reinvent yourself. And, and if you wake up tomorrow and decide, hey, I don't want to be this Malika anymore. I don't want to do branding and PR. I want to do something else. Honestly, it'll be really easy for me to switch. <laughs> sure. No, fair enough. <laughs> because, yeah, because I, I know what skills I have that I can do anything with. And then I also know how to start over from scratch. I'm really good at that. Like I can make something out of nothing. And I think most people can. They just don't trust themselves to do so. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it's a confidence thing, right? I, I feel, and it sounds like you would agree with this, that even people on the show, and I've tried to talk about this before, is even people that have been extremely successful still feel the anxiety of failure and they still fail yeah. all the time. And failure doesn't have to be such a negative thing. It can be little failures every day, right? That it's, right. it's how many times you just keep going at it and figuring it out and, and trying new things. And it, it sounds really kind of stupid, but until you actually go through it a few times and okay. just kind of trust the process and, and just go for it one day, you don't really understand what it truly kind of means. Do you agree Absolutely. with that or what are your thoughts around that? I agree 100% with that. One thing I always tell myself, um, I actually may need to just tell this more often to my clients and other people, is I, I never say that I lose. I'm like, I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. Sure. Either it's never a loss. It's always a lesson. Sure. And some people, they look at, I say you can either look at it as a loss or you can look at it as a lesson. For me, I look at everything as a learning opportunity. Sure. Um, business is a, like a, a, a circle or a cycle or a pattern or a process of literally testing and tweaking over sure. and over again. You know, um, most people think that, well, you know, I, I did this launch one time and it didn't work. It didn't get the results. And I'm like, okay, well, what did you do? So I tried to do something else. No, you fix the parts that didn't work and you do it again. Yeah. And then you fix the parts that didn't work and you do it again. That's how you actually build confidence in what you do is by practicing and being repetitive and doing it over and over again. Um, no, this, I... and especially with the online business space there's this narrative of I tried it one time and I made a million dollars and now I can teach you how to do it. And I'm like, I, 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 those kind of narratives irritate me sure. only because I believe that everybody is given their own kind of internal blueprint sure. to work from and to how to do business. And when you try to take what somebody else did and just put your name on it and it doesn't work and you're like, well, it works for them. Well, yeah. that's because that was their blueprint. <laughs> yeah, that was their process. You you can't just take somebody's process and and copy and paste. You know, cut, copy and paste your name and your ideas and think that it's going to work. You have to go through your own process, and that's where you build, um, like that grit, the hustle, the the tenacity, the the confidence that you need to be able to be flexible um, as a person, but also in business to where you're like, okay, well, that didn't work this time. Let me fix some things. Let me try it again until it does work. Um, I think you said earlier in the recording, you was like, even though you've been doing what you've been doing for decades, you still have moments where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yep. I have those same moments. And I'm sure <laughs> if we all be honest, yeah. I think we all do. Totally. I tell people, the experts and the guru that you're praying and hoping and paying them to help you, guess what? They're still figuring it out, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a different <laughs> set of problems, right? Yeah. And, and and I don't mean, again, problem is like a negative thing. It's just like if you – we're all trying to figure out what our next move is going to be. And, and sometimes in a lot of cases, the more successful you've been in the past, the more you're either trying to ride that for the rest of your career 
or you're trying right. to get away from that as far as possible and because you want to be known for the new thing you're working on yeah or you're trying to build something that was just as successful or at least or maybe more successful as the stuff you've done in the past which i think in a lot of cases people don't realize adds way yeah. more stress than the person Absolutely. that's maybe making a good living like i had a guy on the show years ago a couple of times that he sold the company to blackberry he sold the company to wow. a couple other places he he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars and still feels completely like an imposter and that somebody's going to figure him out. Wow. And, and you're mm -hmm. like, well, if a guy like that, who in, in a lot of cases, the tech startup type entrepreneur want to be that guy, like everybody's shooting yeah. for that Everybody. guy, whether you're male, <laughs> female, you're shooting to be that successful. And he is that successful and he still has the same issues and problems and struggles that all the rest of us are feeling every day yeah. that don't have hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank account, there's just really no hope that you'll ever get over that, or right? Because you just need to figure out what makes you happy because even if you attain all that, you're still going to have the same insecurities and feelings because most people that get that successful still struggle with the same stuff, right? Absolutely. Which is wild <laughs> to me. And it was really eye-opening. Yeah, I think that. And then, like, a lot of people that are just starting and who would look up to someone like him. Yeah. Of course, we're all like, how did you do it? Teach yeah. us the, the secret sauce or whatnot. Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize is that he had to go through that same process that we're all going through. Yeah. And, and since he's had so much success, now his process it's probably 10 times harder <laughs> yeah. than what we have. And when you were telling his story, automatically I thought about um, Ariana Huffington, yeah, how sure. she started the Huffington Post and it was going and going. And then she was like, oh, okay, now I'm going to go do Thrive Global. And it's all about balance and well-being and getting sleep. And it's like, wait a minute, what? You're going <laughs> to let go? Or I think she's still on the board, but it's like you're really going to step away from like your namesake to do something completely different. And yeah. she's like, yeah this is where I am right now. And I think a lot of people are afraid because they're like, can I really do it again? Can I really build this massive empire again? But I'm like, Ariana is sure of herself. Yeah. She, like I did this and it worked. So I know I can do it again. This is what I want to focus on now. I believe that we can all make that same decision, but we really have to get out of our own heads. Um, and one way I like to tell people to do that, to get out of your own heads, just ask people. I say, well, make a social social media post and ask people um, based off what they see you post and whatnot, or based off of your website. What is, what does it do? They they think that you do. Sure. And I'm like, see what the what the response is. But that also lets you know how well of a job you're doing. <laughs> sure. In promoting yourself or promoting your business, because you know, for me, you know, I'm in PR and branding. But if if, if everybody keeps talking about how great of a um, a writer I am on social media or how, how great I leverage social media, then I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. What narrative am I really telling you all? Even sure. though I, I know I am good at it, but it's just that thing of you have to figure out, okay, what am I on from a day-to-day -day basis? You know, me being a human being, sure. how am I showing up in the world and how are people receiving that? And I think the more people get clear on that and they, they ask, cause you, you'll never know if you don't ask sure. and they ask people, you know, what do you get from me? And people are kind of validating that. That also lets you know, hey, I'm not so far from so far from the right path. Like I'm doing something right. Even if everything is a hundred percent aligned the way I want it to, at least something is working so I can keep going. No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. The other thing that you touched on that I find really interesting about that is people are scared to ask for anything. I found a lot of people <laughs> say, Well, yes. I can't just ask. It's like, well, what do you mean you can't just ask? Like what what's the worst right. that's going to happen right right yeah um immediately what came to mind is i i feel like well when people get in trouble they have no problem praying and asking for the divine to help them interesting so, i never thought of it like that why, you yeah. know think, sure. you know when you, when you get in trouble you're like or you get sick it's like you know god universe somebody help me fix this my family you know is breaking up you have no problem praying and asking for what you need so why not take that same, you know, energy 
and, and put that in front of people. Um, I don't know how, how much you've been on social media, how much you had time, but on Facebook, there's been this copy and paste message that people are doing, you know, saying, hey, I don't know if you know, but I have my own business and they plug their business name. Um, I just want you to support me by donating a dollar to my business to get me, you know, get me a little momentum. Okay. And it really irritated me because I'm like, wow, you're using the ask that you have to ask for a dollar. When you could easily make that post and say, hey, I'm working on building my business and I need five people to test my service or to test my product on. Can you be one of those people? Sure. Price is $100 (laughs) instead of a dollar. People are afraid to ask in a way. um, And honestly, I think they're afraid to ask because they're just afraid of being told no. But when you know your numbers, like for me, I know. If I talk to five people today, at least three out three out of those five, I'm going I'm going to close based on me tracking it. And okay. so I'm like, oh, somebody just told me no. All right, well I need to replace that person because I yep. know that my rate <laughs> is three out of five. People are afraid of being told no, um, and I feel like sometimes no definitely means no. Yeah. And sometimes no means not right now. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, when you yeah go keep ahead. going. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, and when you look at it that way. Um, and it, it's not, it's like, people are not rejecting you. They just don't want or need what you have right now in this moment as of today. It's the same way as if you have a house, you know, that plumbers exist, but you don't go looking for referrals until your toilet explodes. Yeah, totally. No, fair <laughs> enough. That's actually a really good way of putting it. Um, and so I know for my business, I like to say I have a luxury, like PR is a luxury service because sure. if you do your business right, yeah. you wouldn't need me, you know? Um, of course I have skills that you do need, sure. um, and that I would love to share with everyone. But at the end of the day, if you have all the pieces hundred percent aligned, which is really hard to do, you don't need a publicist because the work that you do, your clients, your results will speak for you to make people come to you. But at the end of the day, I also understand that sometimes I have to show people that, hey, you actually do need me because you have all the pieces. You need me to do the work that you don't have work, to, you know, that you don't have time to do. Sure. Um, and even if you know, I get told no all the time. Sure. But for me, it's OK. Yeah. I'll just I'll keep watching you because <laughs> that's what I do. I kind of low key people that I want to work with or companies that I want to work with. Sure. But it's like, no, I'll keep watching you. Yep. And when the the next perfect moment presents itself, trust and believe I'm going to ask again. Um, and I'm not attached to whether you say yes or no. If you say yes, great, let's work. If you say no, okay, well, on to the next, you yep. know? No, that's actually a really good point because I've literally got everything that I've ever gotten career-wise just by asking. I've gotten told wow. no more times than I can remember. I've probably got not written back to more times than that. But if you never <laughs> ask, you will never know. And you don't have to necessarily be pushy about it. Like like I've told right. the story a million times before, but just for people that haven't heard it, even just getting the show, I literally got asked to be on somebody else's show I literally wrote back, look, I'm not what you're looking for, but is anybody else at the station look or or, or is the station looking for any other new shows? Uh, let me yeah. know and if you could pass me along to the, the station. And I never even knew the lady. We were just LinkedIn connections. And she sent, sure, I'll, here's the, the station's email. Um, have at her. And I yeah. never would have been doing the show for four years if I never just asked. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and I... I'm sure we both have tons of stories that we could probably fill another hour with of times where we asked and nothing came of it and times where we've asked and you're like, wow, that actually worked out. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you you ask for a little and then somebody ends up just giving you a lot and you're like, well, did I ask for too small? I never forget one time um, I pitched a client for something. Okay. Um, (laughs) And we got to the end where it was, you know, the money talk. Yeah. And you know, I said the price, it was something along the lines of, I was like, oh, and that's, um, the price of it is, is, is it was like 3500 or something. Okay. And they and me like, oh yeah, that's doable. Let me go ahead and go ahead and send me the invoice. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Um, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> you know, and it, cause it was my first time even putting a number out there like that. But right. for me, that just taught me, you know, stop thinking small, stop, stop thinking that just because the number may be big to everyone you've been working with for the past 
three years yeah. that it's, it's to some people or to some organizations, that's not a big number. That's yeah. like, I don't want to say chump change because it's not, but yeah. you know, it was, oh, that's easy to pay. And I was sitting there thinking like, oh man, you know, I should have doubled that if I would have known it was going to be so easy. Um, but I think sometimes we get stuck in our own heads to yeah. feel like, you know, well, I don't know enough. I haven't been doing enough. You know, I don't have enough logos um, or or credibility under my belt to be able to, you know, to charge five hundred dollars for a service. Sure. Um, but I, and I believe if we were able to get out of that mindset, I mean, I think it's always going to creep back up. I think it's just it's just a part of life. But sure. if we're able to just take one day out of the week where it's like, I'm going to have like all the guts in the world and I'm just going to go for it today. Like this is the only day of the week. I'm going to be this bold and ask every person that I want to talk to. And they're going to say, yes. I think if we can get in the habit of doing that at least one day a week, like everything about what we do would change. Yeah. Interesting. That's actually really good advice. (laughs) So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I really want to get, your kind of thoughts on where do you kind of see the industry going? Because there seems to be a bit of backlash against social media, but Mm -hmm. Facebook and all these other companies seem to be recording record profits. So clearly people aren't leaving the platforms because of the good, bad and other publicity they've been getting. But what are your thoughts on the state of the industry right now? Um, I would say on social media as a whole, and uh, these days a lot, a lot of part of you know PR and branding has to do with social media. Um, I think that what what's happening is it's not necessarily that people are going away from it; they're just changing the way in which they use it. Okay. Because at first it was more about personal connections and uh, keeping in contact with family, friends following up with people that you probably went to school with in high school, but now it's becoming more of a business driven platform. That's why these companies are making money and people are starting to pay attention to that. Um, I don't think social media is going away anytime soon. I just think the way in which we're continuing it to use it will change. I think it will become more business driven over time. Um, But I also think that because everything is so business driven, it leaves room for, some kid in his dorm room to invent the new type of Facebook that's only about personal connection Interesting. for the people that only want that. Um, <laughs> I don't know who it, who said it. Um, it's some big known celebrity in the tech space or something, but they said, you know, you know, I'm not afraid of the next big tech company um, to come along and, you know, take my idea and make it better. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that, that kid that's sitting in his bed on his dorm room that's about to invent the next big thing that's going to wipe me out. Yeah, fair enough. You know, because that's what happened. So I don't think, I think that what happens is kind of since we all have that feel like, oh, no, I just want social media just to be social again. I don't really want to to do it for business. So I don't want to see all these sponsored ads all the time. I think something will come along to satisfy that group of people. Sure. But for us, like this is an amazing business tool it is an amazing exposure tool it's a way to make money and extend my reach i think we'll just keep using it in that way and they'll keep creating opportunities for us to us as well as you know the companies to to capitalize you know off of that yeah no i i agree with you it's interesting right because i think it it's such a different mindset right and posting to the mm-hmm. different channels is you, you you really need to tweak your content and, and mm-hmm. change it quite a bit. Obviously, you can't post a, a really long piece on, on Twitter, right? Um, right. So obviously, you need to change the same content. But it, it, it's interesting and just getting your head around the platforms that work really well for you and have your target audience and then quitting the platforms that don't work and, and don't have your target audience. I think some people even struggle with that. Everybody's like, just post everywhere. It's like, well... Yeah, it, it's so tricky, right? That's my experience anyway with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, like I think I've always just spent more time on Facebook because I don't know more engagement. But okay. for the past year, I've started paying more attention to LinkedIn. Okay. Um, and the way I deliver the message. So with Facebook, it's a little bit more clever and kind of less formal. But on sure. LinkedIn. 
I just, I sometimes deliver the same message, but I just change the wording sure. and I still get a great response. Sure. Um, like my connection shot up last year That's good. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, what just happened? But I was never tapped into the platform because, you know, the narrative was like, oh, LinkedIn is for just for business executives. And I'm like, that's not true because I'm sure they're not a billion <laughs> business executives. There has to be somebody else using that platform. Sure. Um, but I've been able to generate a lot of, of buzz and get clients from LinkedIn um, awesome. kind of using the same messaging, but just tweaking it to where it's less carefree that I would use on Facebook, if that makes sense. No, that, that <laughs> totally makes sense. But. We're out of time, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and uh, any other links you want to mention. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, my website is MalikaHolloway.com, and that's M-A-L-E-E-K-A-H-O-L-L-A-W-A-Y. If you type the O instead of A, you won't get me. Um, <laughs> that is my website. Um, all across all social media platforms, my handle is at official Malika. That's O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-M-A-L-E-E-K-A. And literally anything that I'm doing, anything that, you know, my clients are doing, any new initiatives that we have going on right now, you will be able to find them. I like to tell people, just Google me and you'll be able to find me. Um, it is me answering my emails most of the time. It's me in my inbox on social media most of the time. Um, sure. But I'm very accessible and um, I love to meet and help people any way I possibly can. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it, and you do the same. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.